Wither needs food. Bad height. did you eat to your kids oh uh we're going through uh the lion the witch and the, well actually that's not true uh we are doing the magician's nephew oh yeah that's a good one so uh yeah you, you know we're, we're starting there um that's the prequel right correct that is that is that is the prequel to how narnia comes into existence so yeah it's something fun you know my son's five so you know it's a good uh uh, a good kind of fantasy story. We've we've kind of been slowly. We've read the first two uh, Harry Potter books, so I mean it's just like something really easy, right? That you're not going to read the third one, The Prisoner of Azkaban. So we do it every every Halloween, um, every October. We read uh, Harry Potter. So last year we did the, when he turned four. We did the first one. Um, the, this last past October we did the second one, and then next year we'll do the third one. So we slowly. So every year he gets older, we read another one, and we'll probably skip uh, one year uh, a couple times, just to kind of. Uh, there's some kind of mature elements that come into it, so kind of you know maybe skip it in lieu of maybe another book or something. Which one is? Oh yeah, I guess the fifth one or fourth one. Yeah, I think the, the fourth death one. Of Cedric. Yeah, so I, I think we'll we'll probably uh, no the fourth one is the the. Cedric dies in the fourth yes, one. Yes, you're right. You're right. Well, uh, it's like in the very end. You can skip the last page. Wow. <laughs> um. So. And Voldemort we, raised his wand at the end. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Man. <laughs> How angry as a child would you be? Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. So this is Harrison Crow, Sean Stefan hanging out talking about um, cliffhangers. Holy cow, that would be a cliffhanger to to kind of end all the cliffhangers, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would sneak in and read the book. Well, uh, so I, I kind of want to end at the. Yeah, I, I really think that we're gonna have to probably do one more year. We'll we'll do the third one this this time around that's coming up, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and then we'll probably skip a year, um, so that he's eight when we get when we read the the Goblet of Fire. So now Azkaban's the one with all the crazy time time stuff. So you might think I don't understand this because I'm I'm too young, but in reality he doesn't understand this because he's a human being and that time turner stuff made no sense. <laughs> Did that really bother you? Yes. It's like it, it creates so many time loops that make no sense. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> there's a right way and a wrong way to do time travel. The right way is scan. Uh, wait, what's the name of that? Primers. Primer. Primers. Primer. There's a great movie called Primer. It's just like an engineering look at time travel. And it's the most boring, but great time travel movie. It's just about these guys making a time machine and then going to a hotel room and picking lottery picks and then going back. And it's like this is like the tamest time travel movie ever. Um, there was a really good uh, indie t- uh, time travel movie a couple years ago. Um, well, it was a 
classify what was it uh danger um goodness gracious it was with uh the guy from uh the league and it was um what's her name from parks and rec and i uh, yeah yeah like, i remember that i remember that I'm, I'm using these uh these really Vague. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you feel like what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it was, it was like a Craigslist ad or something. He put yes. that like a Craigslist ad. Yes. Yeah. He was looking for a friend. For, uh, looking, it, it's not looking for a friend for uh, the end, but it was he was looking for a friend to go time travel, and he he just put danger, you know, and he, he described all the things. Like he literally said in his ad, "Hey, we are going to time travel and do all these crazy things," and. It's pretty funny as a writer for the Seattle Times. She basically goes out there to to kind of mock him, and uh, yeah, it's a good little one-off indie flick. Um, kind of fun. So hey, um, going to things that are soccer related. Uh, I guess news today is Darren Maddox isn't going to China, but he could be going somewhere else. Uh, there there seem to be a a, a, fl- a bunch of different rumors can you can you even talk about that i don't know much about it at all i've been grieving over the loss of dan gargan today was uh, today was the day that well the thing is the today is the day in mls terms that uh teams have to come within roster compliance so like san jose today presumably bought down one of their dps uh, and today is the day that LA got rid of Ignacio Maganto or Nacho Maganto because they had too many international spots, and they got Which, rid. I want of... to talk. I want to. I want to talk about him in just a second after we get done with Gargan. Okay, but Gargan, yeah, it's just sad. He's just such a good dude. He's a uh, everyone. Well, he's not just a good dude. He's a really. He, he's a really versatile player. He doesn't make a lot of money. Um, you, you uh, gotta... no, he does like 120k for a third string right back at this point but but he's not really a third string i mean he's a third string on the galaxy so you can understand why they move him but in reality there he's gonna be a great pickup for at least one team out there right yeah but they released him four day four or five days before the season starts it's gonna be tough to find a find a fit i I think they really screwed him over but alas i'm i'm just mourning there no be there be no more gargs and gordo shows those were they galaxy had a little tv sh- or little program called gargs and gordo's guide to and it was a great program and now they don't have gargan to use in all their communication videos and that's just sad it was a great personality and just a great dude yeah but that comes, i mean that comes with a little bit of planning and forethought right like that was the mariners did the seattle mariners did something a few years ago to where they did things with like a greg olsen who is this like fledgling reliever that was really a, a gritty sixth pitcher who was really not very good at all and then they did it they teamed him with Felix Hernandez the best one of the best pitchers in baseball it, you knew Olsen wasn't going to be around as soon as they had to pay him something you knew he wasn't going to be around and it, it just kind of it, it less they did some really awesome photo shoots and it just kind of I don't know it just kind of like ruined it like if they would have done something good with him and you know I don't know. I guess they didn't have very much to work with, you know, at that point. But, you know, like Gargan, you knew he probably wasn't going to be around long term, right? Like Alan Gordon, you could probably see this might be his last year, maybe next year. 
it, it's a little bit more uh, murky, right? You can tell he's going to be around. He could be around for a little bit longer. Gargan, I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall to a degree, right? Oh, sure. But this is the one of the interesting intricacies of sports fandom. You become attached to a club, but then you become attached to the players. And then when sure. the club doesn't do the player right, you have mixed feelings. Because well, especially, this was a good move for the Galaxy, but this is not – this is just – what, the worst thing that could happen to him. But see, there's, there's, it's there's, sad, there's, you know, it's, it's conflicting emotions in me right now. Yeah, but there, it's not even that, and you said it really good. It's not necessarily that, um, that it wasn't a good move for LA. It was how they went about it. That, that's, that's something that's a little bit harder to, you know, to just kind of to swallow when they, when they kind of did the, did Gargan wrong by releasing him so late in the off season, as you said. But, um, speaking of other players that, um, they, they were kind of done wrong. So they not just cut Gargan, but they also released um, Nacho, who we ha- both of us have on good authority w- was sought over by an- another MLS team. Um, you know, not revealing sources or teams because uh, we really can't. But that's kind of weird, isn't it? Like they could have yeah. got something for him. And instead, yeah, exactly. like, it was, Nacho it's... goes away without anything. So here's what my guess is on the situation, and it's only because this was roster. Um, it's just because they had to be up to uh, up to code today. It was basically um, that I bet you that they turned down that move, not knowing if they were going to get Van Dam, not knowing if they were going to get De Jong, and also thinking even if they did, maybe they could trade for a spot to keep him, so or international spot to keep him. So. They're probably gambling at that point. They probably would like to keep him. I bet you they're going to offer him an LA Galaxy 2 contract. Uh, hopefully, he'll get better offers than that. Uh, but I think that's what it was. It's kind of like they signed Jeff Lorenowitz hoping, or sort of like, well, if we don't get Nigel DeYoung, then he'll be, you know, this is our insurance. Right. And it's like, well, we got DeYoung. Now Lorenowitz is useless and eating up money. So, like, you can't look at these signings in a vacuum, you have to look at them in the sequence because you all signs are not made up, made at once. So you have to plan for eventualities. And if you don't know something's coming, you kind of have to have backup plans. Or sometimes you have to project something like, we're going to try to keep them, and then, oh, we can't keep you, we're going to release you. It stinks for Nacho, but that's what I think the Galaxy did. But, yeah, it's very funny that they, <laughs> they turned out. They they waived a player they had an offer for, so yeah they could have gotten something and they just let him go. It's a little a little bit strange, but I mean um, you know it, it is what it is, and that, you know all you do is like the 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 cliche MLS. Um, so with that, Darren Maddox is supposedly could be going to China. He could be going to Portland. He could be going to Chicago. You know what? No one knows what's going to happen to Darren Maddox except for, um, I I don't think Darren Maddox, I don't think anyone knows. Um, so the, the question that we kind of wanted to talk about tonight, and this is something I kind of sprung on you late, uh, but it was just something that I've been thinking about over the course of today was, um, kind of risk assessment, right? Uh, a risk matri- matrix, which is kind of used in that process of uh, defining whether or not the product uh, is going to be um, advantageous to you uh, kind of keeping the product or, or moving on. And the question that I have right now is whether or not 
it makes sense for another MLS club to really spend any type of any form of asset, whether that's, you know, GAM or TAM or, you know, uh, even an international roster spot. Is it worth it? I mean, you know, I don't know what a, what the value is of an international roster spot, but I mean, at some level, he's shown some inclination of skill. Um, expected goals hasn't loved him, but a lot of that has been in a very small um has been in a very small uh, amount, very small sample size. So it's really hard to tell or extract any sort of real discernment as far as, in my opinion, whether or not he's worth investing in. I think that with a little bit of coaching, um, you, you'd have to change his shot rate. He doesn't get a lot of high leverage shots. Um, but he, he he's pretty on, on point with, uh, with his conversion. Um, so... I think with a little bit of work, he's a better version of uh, Giazzi Zardes. Um, but I, I suppose for you, that's probably not saying much. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, he definitely has the more tools than Giazzi Zardes. Um, but I look at both those players as nothing more than just, I don't want to say tools here, but that sounds like I'm saying the wrong thing. That but, they're but, just, I mean, they're just physical, physical tools. Att- he, has, you know? he has physical attributes, right? Right, and that's the thing. It's kind of like old baseball scouting that – getting really worked up about always a big player. He's fast. He's got, you know, all these good traits where the soccer mind, in my opinion, is far more important. I'm not sure I see it in Darren. I'm not sure. And just like say the same thing about Jossie. Uh, and uh, he definitely doesn't fit in Vancouver anymore. Um, they've got that new Japanese striker. They've got Blas. I think that um, now they've got, you know, uh, uh, Rivero. He just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I don't know who would, who would stand to have the least risk in picking him up? He does have the international spot, so it has to be a team that has those to give. It, it has to be a team. What's he making salary-wise? Do you know? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can look it up while you talk. Yeah, because I think that's going to be the biggest factor in doing in doing sort of a risk matrix here because – if he's making more than say two hundred thousand, which I mean I, I would guess that he is. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a lot of money. He's he's making uh, two hundred seventy-two thousand, and that's according to last year's numbers. And and again, you know, trying to figure this out, this this cap, this is a real guess as far as this is where he's at. I I would imagine um, he's probably a little bit higher um, in terms of cap. Uh, the, than what he is now, I'd, I'd, I would guess he's probably closer to to three hundred thousand. So that's that's a really tough call if that if <laughs> you're going to invest that much in your team. I could see maybe one or two teams throwing like that type of money, but like who? Um, Colorado. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I say that with some contingencies, right? So. Number one, you don't have to. You know, I don't like Kevin Doyle. Yeah, um, I don't know many people who do. What's that? I don't know many people who do. Well, <laughs> hey, I feel validated by that statement. Um, I, I think Maddox is a better choice, and if you wanted to go and pay, you know, half a DP salary and go get Maddox, and I think you're probably going to get the same result, the same value overall. I think Toronto, um, if they were able to pay down some of the contract with having more. Um, retire with having uh, Finley um, 
be kind of sold off in a weird little move to OKC that I totally uh, I, I totally made out on that from our fantasy league perspective because I get compensated. Uh, but you pay like four dollars from you're gonna get like a cool dollar from this move, right? Shut up, shut up. I, I made, off, made off like a bandit. I made off like bandit, <laughs> son. Take that uh, to the bank. <laughs> but I mean that opens up so like that opens up some money for for a move and whether or not they want to go after Maddox, obviously they need some help um, behind um, behind Josie and whether or not they think Hercules Gomez is quite that answer or not. Um, having someone with physical attributes is, I think, really important towards the end of the game, just because, you know, uh, I, I think that goes to plain logic. I don't know if that actually, and that'd be a really interesting study to, to, to try to work out is someone that has an average speed, um, of a certain amount, how well do they play under circum certain circumstances in game states? That would be, that would be an interesting study. Yeah, what do you think about Dallas? Dallas doesn't have a lot of backup behind a Rudy right now. No, they don't. That's a and, and they 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 should have a little bit of money to spend, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I would think so. I think the international spots is the problem since Ooh, every other player, like every other player on that team. team yeah, <laughs> yeah, like every other player on the team's Colombian. So, yeah, I looked at that roster team, just like how are they com- roster compliant? I don't understand this. <laughs> like, I don't, like it's Oscar, literally every other player is. Oscar Brea trades like tacos for international spots. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's all I can think of. Like, it, you know, he he trades like Colombian. I don't even know a pop, popular Colombian dish, but he he trades that for international roster spots. And I bet you, I bet you, whoever is getting those that food in return is making out like a bandit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but. Every single one of it, let's see, they've signed three three Colombians this offseason. And then, let's see, I'm, I'm assuming they've got, they've got brought in a couple Argentinians. I think one of them is international. Yeah, I don't know how many roster international roster spots, but it's got to be over. They've, they've probably had to make some moves. I don't know. I'm going to look into that after this podcast. Now so here, here's my question, right? The probability of harm occurring with signing or spending three hundred thousand uh, dollars investing that let's let's say that they take Maddox for free right just to get him off Vancouver's I mean you you saw like Brendan Walters uh, said in our in, in our chat he just wanted him his wage off uh, off their uh, their books right so like at what stage is like that that amount um, I would even rephrase it. What harm severity could you be uh, could you be categorizing that as negligible, marginal, critical, or ca- <laughs> catastrophic? <laughs> for signing for the team that's signing him? Yeah, for the, the like, what would you what would you think that uh like what type of harm severity is that? It depends on the the team. If you if it's a team like. Let's say in let's LA. Say Dallas. Let's say Dallas. We keep using Dallas. Let's use Dallas. Okay. Well, I'm going to um, just as an example, uh, LA is a team that I always point to as a team that's not very good spending under the cap. They bring in guys like Mika Varnon. They pay too much for guys like Ashley Cole, stuff like this. But they're able to do that because they get so much of their value outside the cap on designated players sure. like Robbie King. So in that model, 
you have more wiggle room to fail. Um, Garth Lagerwey said that about when, once he moved to Seattle. He said, like, there's a lot more wiggle room in Seattle mm-hmm. under the cap than there is. No, in absolutely. That, so, depending on the team, SC Dallas does not have a lot, a lot financially. So, I would say that is what, – what's the – so, all right. So, <laughs> so this this marginal. risk matrix that I have in front of me is a little bit. It's using um, human uh, severity. <laughs> so, catastrophic is multiple deaths. Critical is one death. Marginal is is one severe injury or multiple minor injuries. Or negligible is one minor injury. So we'll say negligible is just a couple of bad uh, or just one bad appearance. Marginal is multiple bad appearances or one really bad appearance. Critical is causing a loss or ca- catastrophic is causing multiple losses. I think it's between marginal and critical. I don't think he's killing anyone. Um, I think the the issue is mainly matters of what c- could you get for that money elsewhere on the roster. So how much is it affecting you? Know, a classic example of this that I always use of how spending too much on one player can hurt a team. 2008 LA Galaxy. Um, even though they signed um, David Beckham and Landon Donovan, who was grandfathered in the on the cap, but still was taking like a DP t- cap hit, so that team uh, had very limited finances. So uh, Lexi Lawless, first thing he did, this is catastrophic blunder. He said, "Let's go. We need a striker." So he goes out and gets Carlos Ruiz for three hundred thousand dollars. So uh, Carlos Ruiz had a bad year that year, mainly because uh, Lawless brought him in without. Uh, demanding a medical check from Dallas, <laughs> and he had a bad knee. Um, that aside, uh, the fact is that he created a third major player. So if you look at the the salaries of every other LA player on that roster, it was a huge like they were they were just all almost entry level guys. Like the 2008 roster is like three big players and then a bunch of guys who who uh, wouldn't make rosters of other teams. And that's why that team was terrible. It wasn't really Rude Hullet. It wasn't really, you know, Beckham on performing or anything like that. It was this one signing, then this Carlos Ruiz signing. And I think that um, it could have an effect. Now, for Dallas, Dallas has enough backbone right now. It wouldn't affect them that much. Uh, if it were like a team like Colorado, that would affect them hugely because they're still team building. So you so think like, it's like multiple bad games is is probably the the most harm that we're seeing, right? Well, I look at it more as the it would be the effect you would see the effects in multiple games even if that player had a good game. So even if Carlos Ruiz was good for the Galaxy, it would have had a lot of down roster effects that were harmful. All right, bad well, right back play, bad center back play, all these players that could be 150k guys, but instead were 60k guys. That's a that's a good that's a good point. So, um, what probability of that of that marginal harm do you do you see as as happening? Do you see it certain, likely, possible, unlikely, or rare? Possible. Um, possible and certain are two like. Is there one in between possible and certain? Yeah, likely. Likely, yeah, I would go with likely. I, I think it's likely if it's that he doesn't live up to a salary. Now, whether or not how how much effects that has on the team, like I said, is going to depend on the team. 
Well, but I, mean, I don't think he's made, going to. You made a really great point. So whatever they invest in, in Maddox, obviously that comes back at them because they could have invested. You know, that's that's money that they could have reinvested. So yeah, but I for think, Dallas, it doesn't matter because you're already built down down roster. If it's a Colorado, then when you're when you need that money to build further, then it's a problem. So for a Dallas, it's not that big of a deal. For a Colorado, it's a huge deal. It's kind of you know like we saw. We've seen Colorado screw themselves over year after year, Chicago year after year, with just a couple, one or two really bad signings money-wise. I think Philadelphia's doing it with Chris Pontius right now. Uh, like, when you're team building, you really can't afford to bring in these major pieces that just don't do anything. Yeah, the, the, there, there's an actual economic principle, and I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, we... Um, and how you spend your money, and I'm trying to remember what that's what that's called, and I I'm completely blanking. Um, but we'll we'll move on. That that basically puts in this little risk matrix, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, that puts him at a high risk uh, of <laughs> when you acquire him. So uh, yeah, so. But what's the reward end? The reward end could be great as well. Um, this is just looking at the risk. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no look at the reward. There's no look at the opposite side of things, right? We're just looking at what, what could go wrong and what, uh, you know. See, I only know the risk thing from the, from, uh, oh, from, um, Silicon Valley. And, and I'm pretty sure that one, that, that TV show that they do one that's got like a reward side too. Like what's well, the Well, I think that you have to, anytime you, you, you weigh the risks, uh, that are expended, you have to look at the other side of the coin and, and what you're going to possibly, I mean, why would you go out and, and as this says, you know, risk high, you know, high probability of something bad happening to your team? What is, what's the other side? What are you getting out of that risk? Yeah, I think it's high risk, high reward, but the probability of the high reward is much lower than the probability of the, of the danger. So it's definitely not a move that I would make as a front office unless I had cash to burn. I, I don't even know if it's something I would do if I had cash to burn, right? Um, I, I think that it, it would have to be the perfect situation. I mean, even I, I'm looking at the Sounders, and I feel like the Sounders could add another uh, attacking player or striker of some kind that would come off the bench and play 20 or 30 minutes. And, you know, if Garth Lagerway is like, hey, we have, you know, we have 400,000 or 300,000 sitting down. I'd be like, there's some better ways to spend your money, Garth. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I mean, the Sounders do need help on that bench. It's I've, I was texting you about this, that like really saw them in that club America game. That as soon as the bench started coming, it's oh, like, yeah. Oh man, this super team immediately falls off a cliff. The second the subs start coming in. Well, and that's part of the, the, I mean, we, I don't know if we really talked about it on here. We talked about it personally um, on that car ride about the, the fallacy of the Sounders being a better team now that Oba Femi Martin is gone is completely false because there's just that, that huge um, drop between players now, right? Uh, we talk about it every CCL, the, the difference in, in the depth department is, is very huge. Uh very huge uh, is the way I went about describing it, which is redundant. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's just ultimately it it just exposes a, a weakness within the within the Sounders. Uh, you're going to have to fix that some way somehow, and whether that's 
you know, through MLS or whether that's going out and free agency still, or not free agency, but rather uh, uh, the international transfer window is open for another few uh, couple of months till April or May. I think it's May, first week in May sometime. And so, I mean, maybe you go out and make a move that way. Uh, I honestly don't know. But uh, they're, they're going to have to reinforce that bench to be a decent team. So, Any other quick thoughts on that? No. Just uh, wish Darren Maddox the best. The kid's got some major hops. Uh, do you remember that goal he scored when he leapt over, like, clear above the the defender? I think MLS tweeted it today with the, with the leap day hashtag. But I'll always remember that goal as one of the most impressive athletic feats I've ever seen. And that's that's one thing that I, I think that's really hard to to tear away from him is is that despite the fact that he hasn't lived up to his talent, he's still been a real physical beast. And, and I think that's something that kind of has always kept people going back to Darlington Nagby was the fact that he's such a just a physical freak. Um, and, and Nagby has many more skills. Don't don't let me. Uh, <laughs> paint some sort of semblance between the two as if Maddox could be. Nagby's obviously been um, on a different scale for quite a long time, but yeah. Didn't that's, they both go to Akron? Um, it's very possible. Yes. Damn, that was a stacked Akron team. It was a, we should do that one, one off season. Just talk Akron. Be, <laughs> be a fun thing. Um, going back to uh, CCL and, and we talked about uh, Seattle and, and that, whole drop-off let's let's turn our attention back there to uh club america and uh what what can really honestly be uh one of the most disappointing I, I you could you could point to a lot of things that were disappointing over the course of those four games but i think seattle um number one surrendering that goal right after dempsey's like otherworldly free kick i don't care about how you feel about that man that was a amazing amazing feat like i don't it's few and far between, and I don't think I've ever seen something like that live and I, before. It just had so much movement and cut inside that that crossbar. It, it just it was it was wonderful. Um, whoa, whoa! So it was a good freak. It was not like a majestic, amazing like dude. That curve freak. He didn't have a number one. He didn't have a lot of room to, to curve that and bend that ball in number one. And number two, he bent it like over three feet, four feet, maybe that's, that's over. It was, that, a, good, it was a good free kick. Yeah. It, it, I, maybe, maybe I'm, you were there live. You were caught up in the moment. That would be my, maybe, maybe so I, I watched it again later, uh, with my wife. Um, she hadn't watched the game, so we sat down and watched it. I still thought it was really good. I, I was still blown away. Whatever. Um, I think the big, the biggest thing is Darwin uh, Quintero, man. That that guy has has killed the Sounders repeatedly within CCL. He's a known um, just terror to all. And the fact that the Sounders were playing a high line, that Brad Evans was playing a, a high line a minute prior to going it in, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it was a lot of inattentiveness and it was preseason. It was preseason. No, I think this was a bad criticism. People were saying, why do you play? Look, if you're going to play a four, three, three, you kind of have to play a high line. If if you don't play a high line, you get the, get very disconnected. But I think it'd be the top because the forwards have to press high in a four, three, three. 
or and I think that's that. fair. I think that's fair. The but at the same time, you was that the um, I don't remember if it was even shit. Someone in the midfield just let him pass that ball, like uh, uncontested, just did not step to the to that pass whatsoever. And it was like a just very much a preseason uh, blip. Uh, but you know, it's unfortunate that it happened. But that was the breakdown in the system because the Sounders were pressing really well throughout most of the game. There's just one instance right after that where a Club America player gets the ball. Sounders are midfield's dropped off a bit. No one steps to him. He the guy takes a couple touches and then plops it, pops it over the top. It's just like that should have been challenged. He should not be able to stop, survey his options, and hit that pass. I think anytime you're daring uh, Darwin Quintero to beat your back line in the in the sense of you're trying to push him off sides i think that's a a really risky gamble that i i i personally don't like investing in especially especially when you're so close um and you can't really play a 4-3-3 because no 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 but i think i think they did it just fine the first half the entire first half they did they played it perfectly but you're up you have about a minute left don't you just like seed possession? Yeah, yeah, I see. Just yeah, yeah. For a little bit. I mean, that's like my thought process. Was yeah, just, sure. Yeah, that's another valid strategy. Yeah, if you're talking about like a temporary thing. Yeah, it's not. Ta- you know absolutely. what? That that happens. Uh, getting beat over the course of a game that can happen. That that's part of my problem. Wasn't necessarily um, that it happened. My problem was the game state and situation that it happened in. And that's more of my that's more of my beef. Um, and that's just me. I could be weird. I could be strange. That well, was... I think even with that, it would take that goal away. The Sounders are still in trouble because they gave up an away that's goal. Like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, in terms of probability of passing, they're 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 number two, and you know, LA Galaxy did a great job in the terms of. Not giving up a uh, you, you go ahead in terms of uh, not giving up a goal. Okay, I'll, I'll it, let it, you finish the sentence. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. There's there are certainly other aspects of which you know could definitely be critiqued. Um, and that said, they, there are still some moments, some fun moments throughout the game for them. You you can you can probably um, pick apart a lot more than what I can. But that being said, I I really. Uh, I don't know. I felt like there was more to kind of. I don't know. That I felt like there were some redeeming qualities from that from that match for See, LA. For me, I was watching the Sounders and marveling and je- and just jealous. Oh, their first, their first half. half. Don't get me wrong. Their first half was amazing. Yes, that first half, I was just like, this team is. I I, I took everything back. I said about the Sounders four three three failures. I'm just like, this is. I I see this now. This makes sense. And just the movement, the pressing, everything, the runs were brilliant. Uh, when Jordan Morris got in there behind that one time, like the movement on that buildup was just impeccable. And then, then we switch over to the Galaxy game. And the Galaxy game, <laughs> we see that Bruce had, despite everything he said in preseason and all the rosters he put on preseason, he's gone. He has this idea in his head that that Jossie Zardes is a good defender on the wing, and Giovanni Dos Santos can't defend. So against this Mexican team. He gets scared and conservative at home and plays Giassi's artist on the wing. And it's just the same problems we saw that L.A. bombed out of the playoffs last year, bombed out of the regular season, like, you know, ended in a tailspin to end the regular season. The same tactical problems. 
There's no chance creation for the midfield, except Gerard actually created three shots in the midfield. Um, uh, Gerard De Jong had both had a great game in terms of touches, getting forward. But there was just no ability for the outside wingers to get inside. No ability, um, like, Gio had minimal touches in this game. It was absolutely ridiculous. And it was just like, why are you playing it safe at home, Bruce? Like, this is, I get that you think that you don't want to give up the road goal. But the problem is, you're not going to, the chances are stacked against you in the first place of winning this series. The chances of winning and not getting goals at home are much lower. And, this and yet, and yet team, they still uh, probably have, out, uh, without doing the, the entire math algorithm, they have the best probability of, of going sure, forward. but it's still way under than... The thing is, Santos put out a very weak lineup because True. of injuries. They did not perform well uh, in that game. That was, was a very winnable game. And the Galaxy was just sitting back scared against a team they had no business sitting back scared against at home. Uh, you know, then they're going to complain, oh, we should have had some goals on some penalty kicks. Uh, the goalie was good. Van Dom should have had some had some goals. Whatever. The fact is you, you have to be playing your best lineup at that. You, you have to play it aggressively. If you look at the teams that have done well in this turn, RSL never played conservatively in their run. Okay. It was just the most – it was so disappointing to see that from Bruce. I was – I've never been so – and I'm – I criticize Bruce Lopp. I've never been so disappointed – in Bruce Arena. Because what did you, it, oh, I'm sorry, keep going. It's just, I've never seen signs of fear from Bruce Arena. This seemed less less than conservative, more than it was fear. Because the conventional wisdom here, even the conservative wisdom is, you go for it to some extent at home. And the ironic thing is that this is all built on this premise that Jossie Zardes is a better defender. Giovanni Dos Santos had more defensive actions than Jossie Zardes in that game. As a forward. It, it, so it was it's a broken premise to begin with. And I was just so disappointed in a game that I thought the Galaxy had a shot in. What did you think of uh, RSL? RSL did really, really, really well up until when they didn't <laughs> do really, really, really well. Um, just, it was, <laughs> that's the it, most perfect way of describing what sadly happened. Like, it, it, like everybody was like, is this happening? Is this really happening? And then it was like, oh, this has happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like Tigris didn't, I haven't seen Tigris look, and I watch Tigris, uh, not a lot, but whenever I can, cause they're a really fun team to watch. That, that's the worst. I've one seen of the best year. teams in all of CONCACAF. It, I mean, in all of the, not just CONCACAF, but, like, this is a team that went to the Libertadores final. This is one of the best teams in North and South America. So, this, and th- this team was actually better than the team that, that went through Libertadores. They went out and bought a bunch of big pieces. They just, they just did not look good. Like, uh, Geniac had a really bad game. This was totally the game that RSL should have been able to finish. I think it was totally the fitness thing. Same thing we saw with DC United. Like, past that 70th minute, MLS team sort of fell apart. And, yeah, but, you know, okay, so going to the DC United game, look, you know, you can you can talk a lot about fitness, and in fairness, that, that was a pretty clear shot that he had. That was also a really savable shot. Um, it was that, deflected. Uh, was, wasn't it deflected? The, fir- the first shot, no. 
I, I'm always positive that he, someone it completely oh. missed his hand. And the, okay. the bottom line is he mistimed it. Ben, uh, Ben, Bill Hamid stops that nine out of 10 times. And to be perfectly honest, I think Andrew Dykstra stops that probably half the time anyways. Uh, maybe it was that he was tired. Maybe there's a lot of other factors that we just don't know about it. Uh, all I'm going to say and, and surmise this as just disappointment. Um, cause I thought DC United, um, played exactly the DC United game that we could have come to expect from them and that mm-hmm. we will expect from them this year. Very, in a very weak side, very, very weak side. Yes. Um, they, there's a couple players missing from that, from that first team, um, that I would expect on a regular basis that wasn't out there. Um, Lamar Nagel being one of them, uh, oh, no, I meant from, I meant from, uh, I can never say the team's name. So I'm not even going to try the, the Mexican team. Yes. They're, you know, the, aside from the lights out playmaking of Jonathan Bornstein, um, <laughs> that team just didn't, wasn't doing all. Even my, my other bay on that team, Neri Dominguez, who I have statistically, I statistically flagged last year in Argentina. Uh, I thought this would be a good pickup for an MLS team. Ended up getting bought by a Mexican team. Um, he had great passing map on the day. Uh, their playmaker, whose name escaped me, had a decent game. Other than that, they look utterly, you know, average and beatable. It's really frustrating from a from a MLS perspective that the teams that came out the weakest came out or came out the flattest came out against the weakest teams. So yes, 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 absolutely. Because Seattle could get through, could get past most teams, but they went up against Club America, and now they have to go to Azteca. Um, you know, LA probably could have gotten past. Um, uh, now you got me jacked up because you started saying st- stupid crap wrong. Quintero. Is that it? Sure. Okay. Okay, but yeah, LA probably could have gone past them. Um, yeah, and then let, uh, you know, our, I think the only fair one is RSL Tigre, which one's just like no one. That's probably the worst team going against the best team. Other than that, yeah, I, I completely feel you. And we have the Galaxy to thank for this once again for uh, bombing in Guatemala. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of terrible teams, um, a team that we kind of – that I wouldn't think that we would project, but a team that's sat – at the bottom of the ranks the last two years has gone and spent $2 million um, for the first ever DP uh, at goalkeeper. Um, This coming on the, uh, really on the cuffs of last year and their, um, their, their race for the wooden spoon. They did so really not with defense being the problem. That's the thing that kills me. If you're going to overpay for a position for a marginal upgrade, I get that. Um, I get, uh, you know, the the idea of marginal value, right? So you can only you only have so much uh, that you can pay guys, um, and, and you know, there's only so much more that you're gonna pay Irwin um, that you're gonna pay that well that he's going to count against the cap, not necessarily that you're going to pay, right? So the idea and concept of marginal value is um, economic term referred to as marginal benefit and marginal revenue. 
It can refer to output, uh, uh, a host of other variables and other things. The idea that we're kind of extracting from this is um, really the difference between Clint Irwin and um, and Tim Howard is, I mean, let's be real, it's not a lot. I, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I, I think Tim Howard still has a lot more than a Clint Irwin. I would uh, my lots more, a lot more. I I don't I don't know. I I would you know what Clint Irwin's a great guy. Um, he's done he's actually done some work with us with ASA. Um, he, he's awesome. I I appreciate you know. I think he'd be the first person to say that Tim Howard is a better, better goalkeeper than he is. And, and you know what? I, I, I'll concede that fact too. a lot better. I, well, I, I don't, the, I don't think, the, I don't think a lot on the U S national team anymore. So that, 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 that should illustrate my position on the matter. Okay. That's just me. I'm going to preface this by saying, I have not seen a lot of Howard lately. Maybe he, he has taken such a, such a decline. And I understand he has declined. But for, for me, the, the decline would have to be pretty, pretty steep for him to get down to an Irwin level. And I do think Irwin's a good keeper. My whole issue is whether or not keepers have DP value to begin with. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm not sure. I've seen some shapely values for MLS, or for not for MLS, for um, the EPL, where um, shapely values are like uh, looking at values above replacements, that sort of thing. Um, and... There are a couple keepers that end up fairly highly. Um, can't think of them off the top of my head. So that kind of brought my my mind sort of to an idea that maybe there are this level of keeper that can give you high value on a team. And that Bill, sort of Bill really Hamid matters. and Nick Ramondo are two that stand out for me. Yes, but I don't think that I would spend DP money on either for either of those guys in the first place. Um, so for a Howard, it, I'm, I'm against it. Uh, I think this move only makes sense. The, I retweeted um, Jeff Carlisle. Um, he said that, he, I think he had a story that said that a lot of this had to do with promotional considerations that they were looking at, um, like uh, they thought this would boost their sponsorship. So I think it might be that sort of thing. They think it's going to bring in fans, it's going to bring in sponsorships. And well, Tim they Howard specifically, is so recognizable. They, yeah, they specifically targeted both a U.S. international and a Mexican international to help boost um, some of that some of that exposure, right? To help increase their brand awareness, I, I, I guess would probably be the correct marketing term. Yeah, and I totally get that. You're going to get Howard up on billboards and people are going to know who that is. Because let's face it, there's a high percentage of U.S. soccer fans who don't watch MLS. Well, they, and, and not only do they, they not watch it, but they don't care about it. Yeah, exactly. So that this sort of brings them in. This is the same reason why Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard have value above what they actually do on the field and above the jerseys that they sell. It's all about the eyes and the awareness of, of this fan base that kind of has written off. And this, as much as we don't like this fan base, the Euro snobs, they make up a huge portion of the soccer-watching community in the United States. So to some degree, you have to care about them. Well, and, and, and So you have to judge it from that. I mean, you look back um, for the past 
two years since the World Cup, Tim Howard has been building his brand. Like this is something that he's talked about at, at colleges and universities is he's talked about the significance of, of brand building. And then on top of that, he has articles from that range all over um, about, you know, about branding yourself and about social media and about all these different things that go into it. I mean, he's definitely thought about not just his career right now, but his career five years from now. I so, had no idea Howard was doing that. What a cunning fellow. Um, well, I mean, you you look at the fact that he's he's on uh, calling games, you know. Um, he He's actually out there and... Well, I mean, so is Brad Friedel. I mean, Brad Friedel's not really a, a yeah, brand but Brad, genius. Yeah, but or a genius until, in any right. Until a month ago, up until a month ago, he Tim Howard was the starting goalkeeper in a, in a mid-table mid team... Um, in the English Premier League. That's crazy. to think. And he was giving analysis on other teams on days that he didn't play. That's, yeah. that's amazing. It also should be illegal, probably. Yeah, well, I'm, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it should be illegal, but I mean, it's borderline, if anything. I mean, it's not it, really ethical. We'll it, put it that way. It definitely paints uh, a, a different picture. But, I mean, looking at... And instead of looking at this from a league perspective, I, I sometimes I feel like that's kind of a crutch because we – and I don't say we. I, I know you and I don't necessarily do this. But fans in general, and I think most pundits go to this, is they go to, to is this good for MLS? And I think that the, I want to focus on Colorado. I, I really don't think this, this is necessarily a good – uh, necessarily a good move. This is an article from uh, Mike Goodman uh, who – I, I think a lot of. I'm really happy that he's writing over at ESPN FC after falling out of Grantland and Grantland's uh, dismise, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. demise, uh, which is sad. But uh, he wrote a really excellent piece on, uh, and I, I don't want to read a little bit out of it from uh, from December. Um, this is, I think, December 15th is when he wrote this, and, and let me paint it. Um, this is December 11th. And this is what he uh, wrote at this time. It says, in terms of the goals they've conceded, Everton are right on par with what you'd expect. They've conceded 20 non-penalty goals, and that's where expected goals would have them given the amount of type, the amount and types of shots conceded. That's expected goal tally is dead average for the Premier League. And yet, despite that, much of the criticism of Everton's defensive record has fallen on goalkeeper Tim Howard's shoulders. Some of that criticism is simply a response to the volume of shots Howard has faced. Only Coastal, Panimal, Coastal Pantilimon at Sunderland has faced more attempts on his own goal than Howard at Everton, 86 to Howard's 79. And only uh, Sunderland has made more saves, 61 to Howard's 59. All keepers make mistakes, and the more shots they face, the more opportunities they have to make errors. It's a lot easier to remember all the times that a keeper should, in quotations, have done better than the many more times that he did, in fact, do better. That's not entirely that doesn't entirely absolve Howard of blame. Everton's biggest weakness is how they con are conceding shots. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They are simply terrible at defending their own penalty box. Everton are the worst team in the Premier League at winning aerial duels. And it kind of goes through some of the different duels and some of the bad things that they do. And this is kind of something that I, I really want to um, 
focus on is right here, dealing with crosses, Howard has struggled mightily in goal. He has made four errors on crosses this year, while he's claimed or punched 22, which is a really poor ratio, 84.6%, the worst in the league, and a tiny sample. Those kinds of errors can, can and often do even themselves out. In the five years before this, Howard only averaged five errors on crosses per season, and he never had a season in which he was below 92%. But he is also coming for 8% of total crosses he's facing. That's down from the last five years he's faced between 10 and 12%. So maybe it's nothing, a quirk of 15 games, but the combination of a keeper both coming for less crosses and making more mistakes when he does, especially when that keeper is 35 years old, suggests father time is creeping up on Tim Howard. There's some remarkable numbers in there, and Mike Goodman does an amazing job of illustrating all these mental images of, along with the numbers and relating value to them. It's an amazing article out on ESPN FC. Um, I suggest that you read it. I'll try to mark it in the in the uh, uh, when I do the the, the post write up, so that there's a link out to the article that we're referencing. But I, I think that. It definitely questions whether or not Tim Howard is really – maybe he comes out to MLS and maybe with uh, a different caliber of players and a different kind of players, um, he he becomes a little bit more confident and he goes for those, those crosses. The other side of it is MLS is a much more physical league. So if you have a player that – that's good in the EPL? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't think that's true. I uh, think the EPL. Uh, I would say that for a lot of European leagues, but I don't think the. I think the EPL is a very physical league. I think that you could tell just by Wednesday night and Steven Gerrard and his face um, that he was getting frustrated. And I think Concacaf in general is a much more physical um, experience than anything that Europe has to offer, at least at, at a high level. Okay, the, I mean, that's I've, my heard Eng- I've, I've heard that's English my players opinion. say... I don't, know, I don't know how we could really gauge that. Well, I mean, I think the only way is to ask English players. And, you know, usually they get very defensive when, when journalists try to advance this. Because journalists do this a lot when they talk about the physical nature of MLS, and most of the English players will say, well, the EPL is, you know, physical league, um, which which it is. I mean, I... Oh, yeah, and I'm not trying to discredit the right. English Premier League. I think it's more physical because I think the referees are worse. And I think players know this and get away with a lot more. Yeah, I mean, just to table this a bit, I think Howard's not going to have that. That is a, lots of great stuff in that article. I think um, just bringing back to some of those points, if part of the problem is the shots that are being given up, Colorado does not have that problem. Colorado does not give yeah. up a lot of shots. Should be fine there. If but, the issue is simply but, crossing, but, 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 there, I would but, but, I would venture. But, okay? but, 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 but let me interrupt you for a second. They're losing two very good midfielders, one because they don't really value him, and they're losing two really good central defenders. So I you're you're kind of restructuring your back line. So I don't know if you can okay, really very take true. Very true. I don't know if you can really take the last two years worth of stats, though you have the same coach, so they probably are going to employ the same tactical um, style. That being said, uh, you know you never can you never can tell how new players inserted into the same tactical lineup are going to necessarily um, 
how they're going to perform. Now, as for the cross thing, this is something I've not studied at all. Now I'm, I totally this, want this, to. This this actually goes right. Do we even have this data? Do we have this data? Do we have cross? No. Data no. For, for, this is this is. Can we can actually, we get this data? Because I really want this data now. No. But, uh, this could, so so, Bill. Uh, Bill Reno hit me up on uh, Twitter, I want to say about two weeks ago, for this very information. And it was funny because I was like, I have no idea where that came from. And I was like, I don't know if you can get that. And then, bam, Goodman posted it here. I would love to know who are the good and who are the bad going for crosses, right? Right, and I would would venture there are fewer keepers in MLS that are good at it because that seems like such a – and it's an important skill, but it's tertiary to what people think of as important for keepers. So I would imagine that in a league that is lower than EPL, when there are fewer complete keepers, you're going to have a lot more specialized keepers. And that means a lot more shot stoppers, because if you have a choice between a box controller and a shot stopper, just because of how you rate keepers in general, or the average person does, you're going to pick the shot stopper. And we see a lot of great shot stoppers in MLS. You know, yeah, Sean I mean, Johnson, for instance, not a great keeper, very good shot stopper. Um, mm. I, yeah, I, well, I, I, I think he is. Maybe that's gone down a bit. Um, I'm Bill. Bill's like twitching right now. Congratulations, you like he he's picking up his phone right now. His good old flip phone. He is like opening it up right now. <laughs> and he's he's getting really angry and he's trying to like frustratedly. Like using like the the nine six thought like he's like typing really angry like I hate you using his you know his old school texting method methods right <laughs> right his <laughs> yeah uh, he's beeping me right now um, yeah I don't know I'm I base a lot of Sean Johnson stuff based on I I don't watch him enough I'll, I'll retract the statement um. But yeah, I, now I want to look at that. But I would imagine it's not as big of a deal um, in MLS compared to other keepers. Now that really doesn't seem to that actually doesn't matter in terms of your value to a team, but it does matter in your value compared to other keepers in the league. I think he is going to come in as one of the better, better if not best keeper in the league, and I think that's important to note. In that it's not like they're a lot of people are saying it's just the worst DP move ever, and it's just like. Do you oh, guys not remember, like, Jarju, like, Mustafa Jarju? Like, do you guys not remember? Like, there have been some insanely bad. And then people are like, who? I'm like, that's – exactly. That's my point. Like, this, people who brought in zero people into the stands, who did zero zero on the field, there have been some terrible DP moves. There absolutely this, have. This is a good player. It's not necessarily worth it, but it's a good player. And at the, and at the bare minimum, that makes him not anywhere close to the worst DP signing. Wow. So this has been a, a good podcast, I think. Um, yeah. Super duper. Yeah. Started on Harry Potter. We ended on a Tim Howard. <laughs> uh, I really kind of looks like Voldemort, doesn't he? He kind of looks like Voldemort. I don't think Tim Howard looks like Voldemort. I think that's mean. Voldemort's like missing his nose. Do you think Tim Howard has no nose? That's actually not canon in the books. That's just sort of made up by the movies. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't recall I, I think you're wrong about... because it actually goes – because I always wondered why they gave him no nose. And it actually says in one of the books that he actually changed his appearance. 
Oh, to look like a serpent. Right. See, why would anyone do that? Boom. That's even freaky. even I know this stuff. I've read this this once to my five year old, and bam! How how Harry Pottered. Well, I've, some nerd's gonna chime in and fix us both of us on this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, please send emails to analysisevolved at uh, gmail.com. We actually do get emails, uh, and if you send us like questions and stuff, we will totally answer. If you want to come on our podcast and yell at us, we will let you. We are going to let uh, Justin come on next week. And, and oh, yeah, Justin special. Yeah, Justin special. Uh, he'll get <laughs> to talk a little bit. I think we're going to talk expected goals. We'll we'll go over um, the opening weekend, and uh, I think there's a couple other things. But um, So, yeah. So, really, we're going to wrap this up because we're pushing an hour, and I want to be done. So, Sean, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Federico Higuain, I'm going to go watch uh, my TV show, 11-22-63. I hope you guys all have a great uh, rest of your week. Adios. Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams We're about to awesome all your dreams And you'll say What are you, some kind of computer And we'll say A cyborg pimp from the future And I'm going deaf for cheesy I'm feeling a bit uneasy Let's get this Rock. We're hip hop.